Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do. Fourteen days away until a new season of South Carolina football, and boy, can we just get to the season already after this week of SEC media days? Mike, you've been joining you as always, and alongside me is Nick Klaus, Mark. Marcus Lattimore has the day off. Nick, as we tape this on Friday, July 22nd, the SEC has released, they have released their preseason SEC football media poll. They have also released their all-SEC teams. We will get into that shortly. But before I get into that, when you saw Shane Beamer dancing around singing to Soulja Boy, on a Tuesday before he even took to the stage, what is going on through your mind? I loved it. I loved it. I mean, so like so many people did, it was uh, just a fun video. Um, I mean, Justin King, we've talked about it all the time. They do amazing work. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, how could you not love that? I mean, everyone was putting up the Dabo uh, video of him doing the gritty with the Shane Beamer. Um, and I think Barstool Penn State yep. or someone posted. Aaron, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes, exactly. Posted uh, from an outside opinion, Shane Beamer <laughs> is who Dabo thinks he is. And, like, you just got to love seeing that. But, I mean, Beamer is just – you You wrote about it. I mean, he's fully himself. Mm-hmm. And that's – that's their, our program is fully – is fully them being themselves because they feel comfortable to be themselves because Beamer is fully who he is and everyone loves him for it. And uh, they talked a lot about that in media day and you've heard it a lot, but you know, it's a it, soldier boy even commented on it. I mean, it got out there. It got out there. Well, let's start right there. Let's start right there about, and you mentioned, I, I wrote a piece re- recently on Gamecock central and it is free to anybody. So you don't have to be a subscriber to check it out and go to Gamecock central right now and be able to find that article about Beamer just proving that you can still be successful by being yourself. And I had an opportunity when I drove back from Atlanta on Tuesday night. We're doing a Twitter space because we were trying to kill some time. We had the interns driving the car. Shout out to Joe and Kendall. And I'm in the back. And we're doing this Twitter space. And Dante Reno hops on. The newest Gamecock commit for the class of 2024. And he hopped on a little bit. spoke a little bit. And one of the things he talked about was just how, as a recruit, it is 
impressive to see Shane go up there on stage and say everything that he did, knowing that everything that he said to Dante away from the cameras was the exact same stuff, right? And he's authentic. And the exact quote, we actually threw it up on Gamecock Central. There's a graphic for it for on three. The exact quote from Dante said, quote, he's so real, realistic, and truthful as a head coach. Nowadays in college football, you're not going to find that often, end quote. I bring that up because for people that have been following recruiting and know who this Dante Reno fella is, this four-star recruit for the class of 2024, you would know that his father is the head football coach at Yale, Tony Reno. So if anything, this young man is light years ahead when it comes to being able to read BS, especially when it comes from a recruiting standpoint. Of course, he has made a commitment to South Carolina, but there's a reason why he made a commitment to USC. And one of those reasons is to play for Shane Beamer. I think when you see the stuff like the Soldier Boy video, and we'll get into that a little bit more, and you also see the Full House videos, it's easy to look at that, Nick, and be like, all right, you know, he's just going out there, getting clicks, getting views, getting South Carolina in the headlines, okay? But it's more than that. He's just being himself. He's not hiding. He's not shying away from that. And I thought something that was very telling and was interesting about all that kind of put together, and I included this in that article from Javon Gwen, who was one of the players that presented USC at Media Days, by Shane allowing him by or Shane being himself, it allows us, and I'm paraphrasing, it allows us to be ourselves. And we feel more comfortable and freer when we're on the field playing. As someone like yourself, you've played college lacrosse. I played college football. Truer words have not been spoken. When you can just go out there and you can be yourself, and it starts off the field, starts in the meeting rooms. It starts when you're around your teammates doing whatever the case may be in the coaching staff, when you're able to be yourself, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. Why? Because the trust between the coaching staff and the players will get stronger. The trust from players, the players will get stronger. The trust from coaches, the coaches will get stronger. That is what we're seeing at South Carolina. I know we're still in the honeymoon phase heading into year two, but to see where this program has once, once they, they, they once were to now where they are, it's impressive. And, a lot of it has to do with the fact that this building, this program, they're being themselves. And that starts with Shane Beamer. They're all being themselves. And also, one thing about Dante Reno, where you can tell he is the son of a coach, is how he understands the recruiting world. Because mm -hmm. this guy has recruited harder for South Carolina than I've seen any player <laughs> do. I mean, he's on Twitter every day trying to get you know, tell guys to come home. And so he definitely understands college football and has a lot. He's very ahead of the game because of his dad. But also, I mean, as far as you were talking about, they get to be themselves. I mean, that takes a lot of stress off of you because when you're trying to be someone else or someone you're not, I mean, it's not natural. So when you're able to be yourself, feel comfortable, I mean, that's got to make playing easier, working hard easier, and doing it for that person. And all three, I mean, Javon Gwynn, Zach Pickens, and the carry-on joiner in their um, 
times on the mic talked about Beamer. Mm-hmm. I mean, DK said multiple times, uh, you know, we just love him and we want to work hard for him. And that love makes it stronger. And we've talked about that's kind of South Carolina's message in their program. And then also I was watching Josh Pate kind of comment on Shane Beamer and what in his whole media day. And in early on in these podcasts, Marcus said, when we talked about the Muschamp era, it's extremely important for everyone to be on the same page. In a college football program, everyone needs to be on the same page. Josh Pate literally said, he said, when you talk to Shane Beamer, you talk to his players, you talk to his staff, you talk to their media team, everyone is on the same page. Their fans, everyone understands what's going on in Columbia, South Carolina. He said, even said, you, if you're outside of Columbia, South Carolina or not a Gamecock fan, you may not understand. You may not get it, but they all get it, and they're all on the same page. So the program is going in the right direction. And I mean, we were already, we've already been talking so much about the hype and the expectations for year two. And I think they only went up after media day because of who Shane Beamer is and um, the program he's building at South Carolina. And the amazing part too, about all of this is when you listen to some of the current players speak, whether it be directly or, in this case, in that article from Dante Reno, sharing stories about his conversations with Luke Doty, who, by the way, and I'll continue to say this, regardless if Luke Doty ever plays another snap at South Carolina or not, and I'm not saying that his playing days are done at USC by any means. I don't want people to think that's what I'm saying. What he has done for the program has just been absolutely incredible. And it should not be understated um, what he's been able to accomplish from a recruiting standpoint and just how he goes about things. It's similar, in a sense, to how to carry on Joyner has carried himself. And when you have guys like DK, when you have guys like uh, Luke Doty, and you can do this about multiple players, right? But those two come to mind just because not the exact same situations on apples to apples, but you think about the carry on joiner situation, how easy it could have been for him just to say, screw it. I'm out of here, but he didn't. And obviously the rest is history with what he was able to do in the Duke's Mayo bowl. And uh, his bank account is uh, looking pretty good now because of that. Doty, on the other hand, Doty, on the other hand, his situation different, obviously right. Injury last season comes back though. And I mean, shoot, I was, I was getting told from players on the team the day after the Duke's Mayo Bowl, he was already back in the weight room. He was already back in the weight room with a boot on at 6 in the morning because that's how hungry he is for next season. So regardless of who the starting quarterback is, all that kind of stuff, Doty still plays a valuable, valuable role on this team. And if anyone knows, it should be South Carolina fans. You're only one snap away. But the quote that I wanted to read here, this is from the story, Again, you can see it in its entirety on Gamecock Central. This is from Dante Reno. He said, quote, Luke Doty has been a great resource for me. As someone that was here with the old staff and comparing it to the new staff, he said it's just a totally different culture. Doty said before that there used to never be anyone in the building, but now nobody wants to leave the building because of how much of a family atmosphere it is. I know all this stuff that we're saying right now. It's like, all right, that's great. 
It needs to translate into wins. I agree with you. I agree with you. Because as quickly as things are all sunshine and rainbows right now in Columbia, you watch. You watch how quick, right? The people that are singing, you know, Kumbaya and cheering for Beamer, you watch how quickly some of those people will be like, well, I told you. I told you he wasn't ready to be a head coach. You know, look back to last season. Yeah, he had seven wins, but shoot, they lose to Vandy. They're not going to a bowl. They could have lost to ECU, and you go down the list. Rattler, oh, shoot, there's a reason why he lost his job at Oklahoma. We can't. He's not going to have success there. Oh, offensive line, they're a bunch of bums. You watch how quickly that honeymoon phase ends if South Carolina starts the year off one and two. So I say all that because, yes, I agree. I agree with you that at the end of the day, you've got to be able to win games. But at the same time, too, and I will continue to repeat this, Muschamp's final two years, six wins combined. Six wins combined, Dick. You get seven wins in year one under Shane Beamer. Ahead of schedule, whatever way you want to phrase it, I don't think a lot of people heading into year two expected the Gamecocks to be in the situation that they are right now. That's not to say they're going to win the SEC East or that people have them you know, pegged to be playing in the college football playoff. No. But the buzz right now? If I told you this, if I told you that when Will Muschamp got fired, that the buzz would be like this in year two of Coach X coming in next, you would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. I'm pretty sure the Gamecocks were probably written off for the next, I don't know, four or five years. Yeah. Probably. I mean, when, when you say. just think about it, you fire Muschamp, you get Beamer in, a first-time first time head coach. Yeah. No, that would be honestly a very reasonable thing to think that the Gamecocks experts probably thought the Gamecocks weren't going to be anything for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Seven wins was phenomenal. And to carry on Joyner said it multiple times. He said, it is scary to think about what we could be in year two because everyone's buying in, you know, they're getting more comfortable with the staff and with Beamer. And he said it t- two different times. It is scary to think about what we can do in year two. Mm-hmm. So the the trajectory is going up way faster than you could have expected. And the thing is, Jordan Rogers on SEC Now even kind of talked about this. He said, South Carolina is my second best team in the East. And he said it's because they continue to play better than everyone's expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, what the over-under last year for wins was four. Mm -hmm. They got seven. Now you add the weapons that they've added through the transfer portal and through the younger guys. I mean, Corey Rucker is, I'm hearing so much hype about him. Hell of a um, bowler, by the way. Went bowling with, went bowling with him a couple weeks ago. Hell of a bowler. Side so just, story. So just talented all around. Um, but he's, no, he's, he's a stud. And Nick, not to cut you off, but that's a player. And I, I do want to throw this out there because some people will be like, all right, you know, okay, hearing a lot about Corey Rucker. Just want to remind people, okay? I want to remind people what Corey Rucker was able to do when he was at Arkansas State. When he was at Arkansas State, he broke the single game receiving record by a freshman for most receiving yards by a freshman, right? By a freshman in FBS history, 310 yards. He also had four touchdowns, nine receptions. 
I understand it's Arkansas State, but I don't care if you're playing at TikTok Tech. I don't care if you're playing at a JUCO. You're able to do stuff like that. I mean, come on. It's special. And, it's just special. And when you look at that receiver's room, you look at that receiver room, I don't even know how many opportunities he might get to see the field. And the reason I say that is not to say he's not talented. I hope we get to see him on the field because he looks like he's got a lot of fun. And some of the preseason um, awards coming out, he's on some of them. I don't have everything in front of me right now um, to tell you, try to remember the exact name of it. But the point being is this. What this team is doing right now, what this team is doing right now is something special. Um, and that buzz is certainly there, Nick. But they need to be able to take care of business. They need to be able to go out there and give people that feeling that something is changing here. Because, again, they can start the year off one and two. Now, we'll get into it mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. I see this team finishing the season, regular season, seven and five, eight and four. We'll get into that probably next episode. But, Nick. You mentioned Jordan Rogers, and I was at SEC Media Days on Monday and Tuesday. And this isn't like trying to like name drop it. I'm just telling you what some of the people I've spoke with, whether it be, you know, on record, off record, whatever the case may be. Uh, I I was I spoke with uh, Joe Tessator. Now Joe Tess grew up with special teams coordinator Pete Lumbo, so there's some connection there. So he follows the program. He said to me, he's like Mike. He's like. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. He's like, even that Arkansas game, he's like, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. That's someone that follows college football as good as it, as it comes. I mean, he's very good at what he does and he's very, very locked into college football. So I throw that out there. That was what Joe Tess said, Adam Zucker, CPS sports studio host. He's blown away with how Shane Beamer carries himself. And he's like, no no wonder why people want to play for him. No wonder why guys are transferring to go play for him. Cole Kublik, same deal. Greg McElroy, same deal. These guys all look at him and they're like, something special is brewing in South Carolina. Um, Greg McElroy believes that people are writing off the offensive line a little bit. And he thinks the offense, there's nothing to worry about there. That's how confident he is with, with having Rattler out there. So... There's just the different feeling about South Carolina football right now. And again, it's the honeymoon phase. I know it's year two. I'm still looking at it as the honeymoon phase. Why? Well, because everyone's still looking at South Carolina saying there's no issues right now. And I get it to the point where I've been down here long enough where I get it. I won't truly get it. And not being a fan or not being from down here. They need to be able to see it. They need to be able to see it, Nick. And until Gamecock fans can actually see the wins and the losses, more so the wins, until they can see that record out there, it's going to be more so, okay, mm, give it to me, though. Give me give me the record first so that I can actually believe. They don't. It's tough for them, and I get it. It's tough for them to fully believe until they can actually see it. And, and as, as any fan base should be, in my opinion, you shouldn't, I mean, don't go, you know, counting the money before you've cashed out that's the type of vibe it is with uh with this like you can't i've gotten texts the last couple days i mean 
of my friends are like, I just watched this on media day or I heard this. I mean, like 10 wins, 11 wins. And the thing is, I'm a huge college football fan. I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a Gamecock. But one thing I've always known about myself is that because I follow sports so closely, I'm very realistic. And I agree with you, Mike, seven and five, eight and four, more realistic to think about. Because everyone looks at it, and exactly as you said, there are no problems here. Spencer Rattler is going to play amazing. The offensive line is gonna, is returning four starters. They're going to play amazing. The, the skill guys we have on the outside um, in our running back room, wide receiver core, I mean, they're going to be amazing from the transfers we've had. We mm-hmm. just need to, you know, reassure ourselves on defense. We're going to be a 10-win team. You know, that's great to say, and when, when you say it like that, I kind of get what you're, how you're thinking that way. But you have to think, we went in the last year thinking Luke Doty was our quarterback, and we started Zeb Nolan. Mm-hmm. You have to think of things like that. Stuff is going to happen that we And then what happened? And then to- what happened? Hey, just keep going. Don't stop there, Nick. What happened after that? And then he ended up, and then we actually went through four different starting quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Three due to season. injuries, three due to injuries, one just for the sake of it at the end. And I say for the sake of it, of course, it was not just for the sake of it. It was strategic. And Karen Jordan decides to throw his first pass in two years and surprised everyone. And it's, but Nick, that's the point, though, right? And it's, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's one of my favorite quotes. And I actually, I, I have it in my office here. I think it's in my closet. I'm still trying to hang up the studio, get it all together. But it's a Mike Tyson quote, and it's everyone has a game plan until you get punched in the face. I'm not saying South Carolina wasn't prepared for it, but when you have a new offensive coordinator, who, by the way, was the third offensive coordinator for South Carolina in three years, there's consistency this year. That's not getting talked about enough. There's it's not. That's some, not. There's finally some consistency. That's number one. Number two, you play musical chairs at quarterback. Number three, okay? And some people will be like, oh, this is excuse. It, it's last season. The record's not going to change, okay? I know that. You know that. This is just making sense of some things. An excuse, an excuse would be like, I shoot, I don't know. The point being is we're, we're trying to make sense for last year. We're trying to justify why, from an offensive standpoint, Guys like Greg McElroy, who has won a national championship. I know there's going to be one smart-ass Gamecock fan saying, yeah, but what happened in 2010 against USC? I get that. Okay. Feel better about yourself saying that now? Good job. So I say that because you have the offensive coordinator situation. You know, third, third OC in three years. You have multiple quarterbacks last season. You have an offensive line coach in his first year that had to step away from the team because of health reasons during last year. You had all this going on, and yet you somehow were still able, with a first-year head coach at that, you were able to go to a bowl game, have your first winning season since 2018, and you win that bowl game. Something you hadn't done since the, what, 2017 season when you won the Outback Bowl. So I say all that. I say all that because if you're looking for a reason as to, okay, I'm understanding this buzz. I'm understanding that 
but what but what should make me feel better about it? Just look at all that. Look at all that. Yeah, the offensive line, they had their issues last year. It wasn't all in the offensive line. A lot of that, a lot of that has to do with a couple things that I mentioned up there. First year offensive coordinator, multiple quarterbacks. It's, it's a different feel. When you have quarterbacks going out there and they're all they're all learning this playbook together, it's really easy for things to, to get messed up. That's why, regardless if you agree or disagree, I think we can agree that it's not all on the offensive line that they rank second to last in the SEC for the number of sacks allowed. But Marcus Satterfield said only 14 of those 31 were responsible. The offensive line was responsible for. Okay, we can agree to disagree with that. I get that. But I think we can all agree that it wasn't all on the offensive line, Nick. So I'm saying all this. I'm bringing all this up. I'm bringing all this up because (laughs) this offense, if you're worried about Marcus Satterfield, if you're worried about that, I get it. I understand. I'm telling you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Because look at just what I told you right there on the surface. Look at that. Name another team in the country that dealt with all that last year. Name another team in the country. An offensive change. That happens. Three different quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, when, when you don't have that consistency, how is anyone going to, you know, start to feel comfortable? And, bingo. you know, Beamer, Beamer talked about it, and he talked about how this, was, this is one of the most resilient teams that always bounces back. Because, you know, after they would drop a game, they came back and won the next. You know, now they have to turn that into, we'd prefer if they turn that into back-to-back wins and, you know, going on a little bit of a streak. But, I mean, they battled through adversity and came out with a 7-6 and six season and a bowl win and gave Gamecock fans something to be happy about. I mean, there wasn't, like you said, there wasn't a lot to be happy about. I mean, six wins in two years. Everyone was upset. And... They battled through all of that and got mm-hmm. a seven and six season. And now they're putting themselves in a position to, you know, the ceiling. Yeah, maybe the ceiling is number two in the East. That's if everything goes perfectly right. And it's just a great, you know, it's amazing. And it's a great season. That sophomore season for Beamer is awesome. And the ceiling was number two in the East and they did it. Awesome. Well, I'm, not expecting everything to go to plan. And you just, I just think that's a healthy, you know, mindset to have when you're watching a team, because, you know, if you think it's all going to go perfectly, you're probably wrong. You have to look a little more realistic in the fact that I've heard this a lot. If South Carolina goes seven and five this year, it's not necessarily depending on how that happens, a step backward. Nope. At all. You know, they could go seven and five and they are still on an upward trajectory as a whole program and getting better recruits and bringing Beamer's guys in. That's what you have to think. It takes four years to make every player there Mm -hmm. a guy recruited by Beamer and his staff. Yeah. You know, and the transfer portal will certainly speed that up, you know, and I think that might add some pressure because it all depends, right? You bring transfer portal guys in, how do they pan out? You know, obviously the one that I'm always going to point to Carl's Patel last year, great example. And it's a great example when it comes to recruiting. Beamer used him as an example too. Yeah. 
And just to let you know, we're, we're, we're formally known as Assumption College. We're known as Assumption University now. But I'll give you the, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, though, Shane, because when he played there, it was still Assumption College, and then they changed. But I think, look, we say all the things about the offense as to why you should be excited about it this year. But now let's go take a cold shower, right? Let's go put you in the cold shower. Let's get the excitement down, you know? <laughs> you know? Go, go take a cold shower here. Because when you look at what came out today, when it came to the preseason SEC football media poll, South Carolina has been picked. They have been picked to finish fifth in the SEC East. Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, all ahead of you, and even the Florida Gators, who you beat the living snot out of last year, and they have a new head coach. South Carolina is picked to finish fifth. However, however, South Carolina, despite being picked to finish fifth in the SEC East, they have received the third most votes to win the SEC East. Georgia, 172. Kentucky, four. South Carolina, three. Tennessee, one. And then, Nick, the one that just makes you say, come on, man. Come on. Vandy. Vandy somehow picked to win the SEC East. And then if you want to take it a step further, your SEC champs. Projections here. We got uh, our predictions. As soon as I say projections. Predictions. Alabama, 158 votes. Georgia, 18 and then in third, South Carolina with three. So the way I read that, Nick, is that there's people that are buying into this hype. There's no question about it. There's people buying into this hype. I think the reason why, despite you see the fact, okay, there's three people that picked him to win the SEC. There's three people on top of that that picked them to win the SEC East. I think the thing that is holding people back to the point of why they were picked to finish fifth in the East, right? Because some people make, wait a minute, pick them fifth? I mean, that'd be a step back. I think the reason why is because, kind of like we said at the very beginning, South Carolina needs to prove it. And is that fair to Shane Beamer? Is that fair to Spencer Rattler? Is that fair to the players and coaches on this current staff and roster? No. But the reality is, historically, for this program, and that is how they're being viewed, anytime there has been buzz, they typically fall right on their face. Outside of the Black Magic season, but even the Black Magic season, I'm not trying to bring back bad memories. We all know what game I'm talking about. We won't go down that road. Outside of the early 2010 period, the greatest run in Gamecock history those four years anytime that the the expectations have risen South Carolina has fallen they have not lived up to the hype so they have a lot of momentum right now Nick they have the city wanting more and we know the schedule is going to be tough early on Arkansas week two on the road Georgia week three at home even if they start the year off one and two, they can still win seven, eight games in the regular season. This team will get better as the year goes on. There's no question about it. They stay healthy, no question. Rattler will get better. But when I look at that, that's why. It's because there's some people that say, hey, look, this is a talented team. I wouldn't be shocked to see them somehow pull it off and somehow win the SEC East. 
I don't think that's all just necessarily Gamecock Homer reporters. I really don't. I think those are some people on the outside looking at this program saying, shoot, don't sleep on these guys. But the majority of the media views it as, hey, look, they're still the Gamecocks. They have to prove it. So that's why I believe that they were picked fifth. I mean, I I agree. And then also when I look at you, look at the teams that are ahead of them. Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Georgia. Obviously, Georgia, you know, they deserve that hype. They're defending national champions. Then you get Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida. The only team I don't agree with being ahead of South Carolina on that is Florida. I just think, for I mean, like you said, they they killed them last year. Now they have a first-year head coach. And you just in South Carolina also added so much talent. I just imagine we will be the better team. But then you also look at Tennessee and Kentucky and Georgia, all three teams South Carolina plays, obviously, this season. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee, in my opinion, got a lot better too. Kentucky got better. They have the hype of Will Levis. Georgia, obviously, is still really, really good. They also, Tennessee and Florida, have that SEC tradition of excellence, national champ, you know, the national championships for Georgia, Tennessee, the tradition of being in the SEC, the great fan base they have, um, all the things we've talked about. You know, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. The University of South Carolina will not get that. Mm-hmm. It has- they shouldn't. It has to be proven. It has to be proven. And Nick, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. You have to prove it. You have to go out there and do it. And it goes back to some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast. It goes back to some of the things I've talked about on Gamecock Central and other outlets. People want to see better recruits. I get that. Okay. I see it every day on Gamecock Central. For a while before it was four-star galore, the weekend of the fourth. A lot of people on Gamecock Central, I say a lot of people, there were some. I don't want to categorize everyone in there, Nick. But there were some people who were like, okay, hey, wait, why aren't we getting higher four-star recruits? Why aren't we getting potentially a five-star? These three-stars, low fours, like what is up with this? You want to be able to get those guys? You got to win games. You got to win games. And, Nick, I know you've heard from people saying this. And I'm not trying to pour the cold water on you again. You know, we've we've left you in the we've left you in the cold shower enough. Let's get you out, okay? Let's get you. Let's let's bring some excitement back into your life. I know there's some people out there that are like, well, nine, ten win seasons is what I'm thinking. Ten win season is what I'm thinking this year. That's not saying it's not doable, okay? No. But all right, let's take a deep breath. What makes you believe that they can do that this year? Because they got Spencer Rattler. Okay. I can go for that. But at the same time, too, just because you got Rattler, and even though I've I've said this multiple times, I still believe it. Rattler will be like makeup. You know, he'll cover a lot of the blemishes of this offense. You need more than just one person to be able to beat teams. That offensive line needs to, needs to perform better. Even though it wasn't all on them. And I do believe they're going to play better this year. They need to play better. That wide receiver room, which is probably the deepest they've had in quite some time, Nick, they need to perform. That running back room, that trio between Christian Beal Smith, 
Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell. And you can even throw in there with uh, Amos in there as well. They have a talented running back room. They have talent. Talent doesn't win you games if you can't execute. We, had a, talent, we had a talented running back room last year. And there's a reason too, Nick. Look, and people ask me this question all the time. How is it that there are so many players during the Muschamp era that are in the NFL, number one, but number two are having successful NFL careers? Because Muschamp recruited some talented freaking players. Him and his staff, they recruited some great players. And that's not to say they weren't good when they were here, right? Ernest Jones, stud. J.C. Horn, stud. Javon Kinley, stud. Kinlaw, stud. Brian Edwards, stud. You can just keep going down the list. Debo. The point, the point Debo. The point being is you put all those guys together, it just didn't pan out from a – it just didn't flourish into more wins. So you can have all the talent in the world. Muschamps prove that. Gamecock fans, you know that better than anybody. You need to be able, as far as being able to get the wins here at South Carolina. And I'm not saying you don't care about what they do in the NFL. I'm sure you all want to see them do well. Get that. But I know you want to see more so being able to get more wins at the University of South Carolina when they're playing here. The way I think about it is when people expect a 10-win season or say, like, we need, like, 10, 11 wins, that's what I'm thinking. You're looking at the team, and you're. I think, and this is just my thought process, you're looking at the team, you're looking at Rattler. You're looking at the added talent from the transfer portal. You're looking at the Jaheim Bell hype. You're looking at, you know, the Corey Rucker hype. Mm-hmm. All, all of the stuff you're seeing from, you know, even the Beamer hype after media day and everything like that, you're looking at all of that and you're like, how do we not win 10 games? Mm-hmm. Look up the South Carolina 2022 football schedule. I'll tell you how we don't win 10 games because that schedule is a gauntlet. You have to face Arkansas at Razorback Stadium and then go to Georgia. And then later on in the season, I don't know the order that well after that, you need Kentucky and you got Tennessee and Florida who I think, yes, South Carolina is probably the better team, but, you know, there's a lot of hype on Florida. And you got A&M. You have a ton of hard games. There's probably four guaranteed wins in there. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, if you want ten wins, that's six more. And then there's not – you could do nine wins, including a bowl game. But mm-hmm. all of that, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's a tough sell. I don't know how you can convince yourself fully and confidently. Like, yeah, we, yeah, South Carolina beats Georgia. Yeah, and Arkansas and Tennessee. Like, if you say all that, I, I, my friend said to me, he said, South Carolina beats Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Georgia this year. I said, you're insane. (laughs) To expect that is crazy. To expect that is crazy. So I understand why you look at it and say 10, 11, 12 wins, because I've heard that too, which is insane. Um, I can see where you're coming from, but you have to look at the schedule and think about why is the SEC the best football conference? Well, there's a reason, because there's so much talent and so many good teams. Um, You know, it's just hard to sell that 
mm-hmm. they're going to get nine, 10, 11 wins. I think seven and five and eight and four is much more realistic to think. So that was just one of the preseason things done by the media, right? Trying to put the SEC football media poll together. They also picked their all SEC teams. We'll get into that in just a little bit. I do want to mention this, though, Nick. Having the chance to go to SEC media days, and I've been doing this since 2015 when it was in Hoover, and next year I'll be in Nashville. This was the second time I was in Atlanta. The way they structured it this year, a little bit different. And I'm in this hallway <laughs> waiting to for like there's like 12, 15 of us to go in, and we're going to have an opportunity to all meet with Beamer before he makes his rounds and the team makes their rounds because this is right after they get off the plane. I think he did an interview first with 107.5 The Game since they're the flagship radio station. And then they uh, they talked to some of the local guys. But we're in a hallway, and there's some other local media members there, but there's the coaches are just kind of just hanging out. And you just see Mike Leach just talking to someone. Now, granted, my back is turned, and he's just having a conversation with someone, and someone just asked him, you know, some of his – uh you know, favorite coaches or inspiration. He starts naming coaches, and then he said a name. And he's like, well, that also reminds me of the author of that book or a guy that sounds like that, and he was an author and really liked his book. And the thing about that is, you know, and so Leach goes up. The point is, the way Leach comes across in front of the camera, same exact way behind the scenes. It's not an act. And I say that because some people are like, come on, this has to be. He is a very intelligent guy, very intelligent, because he likes to just learn about just different crap. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Just like, But it was just so funny how he was talking about one thing. And then like he mentioned a name, and it, it reminded him about an author. And then he started just telling his favorite, I'm like favorite um, books. And I'm just like, the guy asked you a question about, you know, coaches who have inspired you. But because there was a coach's name that triggered a thought of a book he's by the way my favorite books so i thought that was funny nick saban walked by me i'm not the tallest guy in the world i think nick's five six definitely taller than that but it was it was pretty neat to walk by nick saban like a rub shoulder to shoulder and be taller than him i mean he still has a hell of a i didn't know he was that short yeah five six or at least that's according to the internet you know the internet's never lied um not once <laughs> you know obviously he has uh, a lot more rings than me and a lot more money but uh, Nick Saban walking by. But I say all that now, Nick. That was on Tuesday. Fun time. Awesome opportunity. There was a nice little media party over at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which will host this year's SEC championship game. Uh, that'll be in December. I'll just throw that out there in case you are one of those three people that have South Carolina. Like I said, three media members. They have South Carolina pegged to go play in the SEC championship. Mark that one down. But Taking a look at this, the preseason media days, all SEC teams. From an offensive standpoint, South Carolina, they do not have anyone on first team. They do not have anyone on second team. They do have two on third team. That would be wide receiver Josh Van, and that would be tight end Jaheim Bell. I don't want to take away from those two guys because I think Jaheim Bell is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he'll most likely, if I had to take a guess, and I know some Gamecock fans will get upset, if I had to take a guess, I feel like he'll end up on the second team. That's just my opinion. I think he'll end up on the second team. And then with Josh, what it comes down to is how they decide to use him in the offense because he's your most talented receiver coming back this season, and I don't consider Jaheim Bell a wide receiver. 
He's a tight end on paper, but some people will be like, well, what about Jaheim? I get it. I'm considering him a tight end on paper. Just gave him his flowers. I want to talk about receivers. He's your most talented receiver coming back. There's going to be some people say, well, why don't you throw Spencer Rattler in there? Because you see it. I mean, it's it's all over the place, Nick, right? There's some people that have Spencer, depending on what preseason magazine, website, whatever you, you're, you're looking at, that has him as a, you know, second team, third team, whatever. What I would say to some people is, especially after being a guy that was up for a Heisman last year, right? You know, or at least he was on the Heisman preseason list. What I would tell people is this, because I feel like there's this notion of people, once they they're part of South Carolina, they you know the old saying, oh the the, the stars rating system it goes down, you know, when they commit to South Carolina. I can't fully speak on that, but what I do believe is there is some truth to that, and what I mean by that is, you put Spencer Rattler on South Carolina from Oklahoma. Is he as talented as he was over there? Probably not. Not until he can prove it. Not until he can prove it. Why? Because it's the other guys around him. They have to be stepping up, right? I mean, think back to a couple of years ago. What was one of the main issues with USC football, Will Muschamp's final year? And it wasn't even just Will Muschamp's final year. It was a couple seasons. Receivers couldn't catch a pass. Receivers could not catch a pass. So think about that. Think about that season. Think about that season, Nick. You have Spencer Rattler at quarterback. Now, granted, okay, I, the ball could be in a better spot. and not, I get that. But at the end of the day, hit your hands, you got to catch it. The old saying, right? Go back to Little League, youth football, pop on, or whatever. These guys need to be able to catch the ball. They also need to be able to get open. Again, much deeper wide receiver room. You have two talented tight ends who have the ability to stretch the field from a receiving standpoint in Stogner and Bell. Mm-hmm. Even throw in Chad Charell and um, Kenyon as well. You have guys that are capable of making plays, but you need to, need to make plays for Rattler. If you don't, then yeah, no kidding. Rattler, Rattler won't be on any of those lists. So I think that's where it starts right there for me. No, 100%. I mean, you look at Rattler and Rattler... I think Rattler is going to do well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not going to be all SEC, first, second, or third team, if the players around him are not helping him out. And I've heard that so many times. I mean, you just watch anything where South Carolina pops up and they're talking about Spencer Rattler. They're saying Rattler's extremely talented, but who really knows how this players around him at South Carolina are really going to do and how is the offensive line going to hold up so those are things we like you said we kind of need to see that you got to make you got to see Josh Van making plays Jaheim Bell I mean these guys are guys we see in practice and we've seen play before that we know they are more than capable but you know you just got to see it to believe it and um but I mean Tim Tebow ranked Rattler the number four QB in the SEC, and Jordan mm-hmm. Rogers ranked him second behind Bryce Young. So there is no no doubt that Spencer Rattler is ridiculously talented. The question you know is, is how can the South how can South Carolina's talent play with him, and can they mesh well? And you know, will it all go according to plan? Mm-hmm. 
The only other thing I'll say about the offense before we take a look at the defense, some might be like, all right, what about Antoine Wells Jr.? Well, again, similar to Spencer, a little bit different, of course, different position. It's his first year in the SEC. How is he going to adjust? And he's coming I would not from the be FCS. Sure. Why would yeah. why would they really? Because there's not a lot be too hot on him. Because there's some there's some preseason teams that do have him ranked, and there's some that don't. It's being one of them. Again, you gotta remind yourself, and I think a lot of people do. But I'll say this for those who might not be thinking about it: this is all the SEC media members that were there. I say all, not all voted, but you're dealing with media members throughout the entire. Southeast Conference. So there's going to be a lot of people that don't know who the hell Antoine Wells Jr. is. Just the reality of it. Now, if you've been following Gamecock football, if you've been following James Madison football, if you've been following college football and know some of these talented receivers, you know this guy is capable of being able to do some big things this year. So I'll throw that out there. As far as running backs go, Marshawn Lloyd Coming back from that injury still, I feel like this is the year he's going to have a big breakout season because mentally he's not going to be thinking about that injury. That's what happens a lot of times when you have those lower body injuries. Think back to Nick Muse coming back from his ACL injury. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't thinking about it that second season. So that, that's what I would say to that. Um, offensive line, again, some talented guys up front, but as a unit, that's, that's how they're going to be judged. It's just going to be that way. When you finish second to last in the SEC as an offense um, in sacks allowed, it's not going to happen too often that you're going to see a guy get, um, get on that list. So, you know, just to kind of touch on every position. First team defense, though, Nick, no one from South Carolina. Second team defense, Zach Pickens, defensive line, defensive back, Cam Smith. So we've seen – a lot of preseason um, lists. We've also seen Pro Football Focus put their, you know, mock drafts, all that kind of stuff as to who is one of the top, if not, you know, some of the top cornerbacks in the country. And Cam Smith has usually been one or in the top three. Not even on the first team for SEC Media Week uh, for the preseason team by the media team. Does that surprise you at all? And if it doesn't, why does it not surprise you? It doesn't surprise me because of the talent in the SEC and the fact that, say, Bama goes undefeated, Georgia goes 11-1. and one. However, it shakes out. South Carolina goes 7-5, and 8-4. and four. Um, You know, I do think that those teams usually get more guys on the first team you know, maybe the bias um, of it. But also, I just think there's so much talent in the SEC. I mean, the defensive backs on Bama, the defensive backs on Georgia, these guys are insane. And I think, honestly, the way I look at this is first team and second team, some of these these second team guys possibly could make first team and these first team guys could possibly fall to second team. We don't know how the season's going to swing out. So it's not super shocking, but also don't be surprised if Cam Smith is on first team at the end of the 2022 season. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. And I want to show you something too. Because 
what happens sometimes is when, especially a position like that. And you, like, again, you have people voting from all different schools. Okay. Sometimes they're not paying attention to one year defensive backs playing. Okay. Right. I think, is that, is that fair to say they're not always paying attention? Yeah. I want to read something to you. Okay. This is all right. Just hear me out. Okay. 12 games, 40 tackles, two tackles for a loss, one sack, no interceptions, two forced fumbles, nine pass breakups. You know who that is? I don't. That's J.C. Horn, the year before going into his senior year. I say all that because if you paid attention to South Carolina football, you would know that he was one of the most valuable defensive players they had because teams did not want to throw the football his way. But when you look at stats like that, you're, you're, you, it, it's understandable if you don't watch USC week in and week out and you're someone that's you know covering Alabama football, but you don't pay attention to South Carolina that much. You probably didn't know who J.C. Horn was. You probably heard at least because of his father, Joe Horn, but you probably didn't think much about J.C. Horn. So I throw those stats out. Here's what's different, though, about Cam. Okay. This is Cam's stats last season. Played in 11 games, 41 tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss. 11 passes defended, one forced fumble, three interceptions. How does this man get overlooked for first team? How does this man get overlooked for first team? I believe... And I could be wrong. I believe J.C. Horn was at least the second team. He was at least the second team. I could be wrong, though. Um, I'm trying to remember now. going back and trying to look this up real quick for you guys. Are you saying how he finished like after his senior year? Or his last well, J- year as a Gamecock? So, so J.C. Horn was picked second All-SEC. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it because, again, when you look at those stats, it doesn't paint the full picture. The point being is there are people out there that I know for a fact have not paid attention to Cam Smith at all, and they probably just go back by statistics. If that's the case, how the hell do you leave Cam Smith off? How the hell do you leave Cam Smith off? So I I think more than anything – and this is where I, I tend to agree because I don't like to make excuses for South Carolina. I think some of their fans get this notion of like, oh, people just don't want to pick us because we're South Carolina. I think in this case, it's not that they don't want to pick you. It's just that they're not even thinking about you. It's just oh, South Carolina football. You know, when you look at, and this is no disrespect to the players that are on this list. I mean, let me, let me be absolutely clear about that. But when you look at the defensive backs, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, and then you have, a guy from Arkansas on there, also for defensive back. And it's, you know, it's it's corners, it's safeties out there. And um, when I see that, though, and in, in, in that guy, Jalen uh, Kettlon from Arkansas, he's a safety, okay? When I see that, Alabama, Georgia, it's a, what do you think? I mean, really. So Gamecock fans... 90% of the time, I'm going to tell you to stop crying. In this case, though, I agree with you. I agree. 
So, Nick, that that's my thoughts on that. I do want to keep moving because I know we're going to be up against the time. Pickens, again, second team. Cam Smith, second team. Uh, you get down to third team. No one for, for third team for South Carolina. Am I surprised by that? No, because when you look at the rest of that defense, guys like Jordan Birch, this is a prove-it year, right? Show me year. Guys like Jordan Strawn, who I think is going to be one of the biggest surprises in the SEC this year. I think he'll finish on one of these lists when the uh, when the season's all done. I think he's going to have a absolute breakout season. Um, Alex Huntley is another guy to keep an eye on. I think Darius Russ can have a special season. I'm not surprised not to see any other South Carolina players on uh, on preseason teams. Are you? Why isn't Kai Kroger on the on the specialist? Yeah, well, you know what? Let's just. I don't get that. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing. We're talking. We're talking defense here. But if you go down to specialists, three teams. Kai's not even on there. Kai's not even on there. So that, that shocked me. Um, and don't get me wrong. Paxton Brooks is very good at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's third team. Uh, the A and M punter. A and M. It seems like they always have good punters. Um, but again. This goes back to that notion of what I said about Cam Smith a little while ago. It's going to be people that will just overlook you. It's not the fact that they're just not picking you because you're South Carolina. They just don't care. They don't care. They're not thinking, oh, South Carolina. They don't care. This is what happens when you have 100 plus. I mean, shoot, I say 100 plus. Hundreds, 200, 300, 400, whatever the case may be, of people that filled out preseason SEC teams. They're not thinking about you. You're not even on their mind. You are. <laughs> you're the per. You're the person, right? That when you check an Instagram story, right, you think that okay, they're scrolling down to see if 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 you looked at their story. They're not even thinking about you. They're not. They're not scrolling to South Carolina. Who? They don't care. So I say all that, Nick. I do want to say this though before we wrap things up. And just a reminder to continue to uh, go check out our sponsor for today, Bet Online, who do a tremendous job. You know, we, we're getting we're getting back into the sports swing of things. I understand this time of the year, baseball stopped for a little bit for the All Star break, ESPs, all that kind of stuff. We're getting back into it. Football is right around the corner. NFL teams are going to be reporting to training camp soon, and then we're going to have real football games in our life very very soon. Yes, sir. Um, g- going back to the whole. You know, Soldier Boy and uh, Dabo Sweeney doing the gritty. I do want to talk about this because this actually really did piss me off. Someone that I do have respect for reached out to me. And they commented on a photo that I responded to the whole Dabo Sweeney gritty thing, right? Dancing at the, the breast cancer awareness event that they do, which, by the way, as I've said on multiple other platforms, what Dabo does for breast cancer awareness and some of the other charities he does, he does an absolutely incredible job. There's no two ways about it. What he does, he changes lives. Changes lives. And even if you're a Gamecock fan, I'm sure there would be a lot of Gamecock fans that would agree with that. 100%. Yeah. Again, I'm going to preface this because depending on who's listening to this, I am not a Gamecock fan. I did not go to South Carolina. I am not from South Carolina. I just cover the Gamecocks. I've covered Clemson. I have relationships with players and coaches over there. I've seen them win two national championships and cover them. 
I think what Dabo does from a coaching standpoint, he's one of the best coaches, and he'll go down as one of the greatest co- coaches in college football history. What he does for breast cancer awareness is incredible. But just because you raise money doesn't mean if you do something, it still doesn't come off as corny. That's okay. You know, you do stuff sometimes like this because you know it's going to get attention. And I think that's the part that some of these Clemson fans, they got all bent out of shape. Even some of the players, they got all bent out of shape and they lost sight of. Dabo doing that, even though he may have come across as corny, he brought a lot of attention. And we'll never know this for certain. But Nick, when stuff like that happens, and videos like that go viral, and it's like, okay, why is he doing that? And people find out, oh, it's for breast cancer awareness. Would you be shocked, even if it's just one, even if it's just one dollar, would you be shocked if someone made a donation to it? Because that's Not what I think happened. I think it Not actually raised more money on top of obviously the, the thousands that they were able to raise. So I say all that because I had someone that I do respect reach out to me, and they were very upset about a picture that I posted. It was Kramer, because I'm a big Seinfeld fan. And the first thing I could think of is with Dabo wearing that hat. And I didn't even see the gritty video at that point. I thought of just Kramer wearing that pimp hat. And I was just like, that's all I posted. Didn't say anything. He gets in my DMs all upset, you know, and this and that. He raises all this money. All I said back, I said, hey, where did I say anything bad about Dabo? It's the first thing that came to my mind was that. So I understand. And here's what bothers me. That happens. That happens. There are so many Clemson fans that are so insecure. There's a lot of Gamecock fans that are insecure too. But there's so many Clemson fans that are so freaking insecure that when something like that happens, okay, they are so quick to be like, well, this is for this. It was for raising breast cancer. No one is arguing that. What are you talking about? We're just having some fun. Isn't that what? what college football is all about, especially a rivalry, having fun. No one is poking fun of Mm -hmm. Dabo Sweeney raising money. So there's going to be people out there that will use that, will use the breast cancer awareness and raise them up to be like, because they want to defend Dabo. They want to defend their coach. Okay. Shane Beamer, he does his dance. Now, granted, I got no dog in the fight. I know there'll be some Clemson fans saying, you know, bullshit. Just telling you. Looking at it, Subjectively, right? Shane executed. I mean, that that video looks a hell of a lot cooler. It did. It looked a hell of a lot cooler. Now, going to come across as a little corny and cringeworthy? Certainly. And Shane knows that. I think that's the thing. Shane has the self-awareness to realize, like, yeah, it's probably going to. I truly believe Dabo watches that, and he thinks that, you know, he's the coolest man in the room. That's the difference. That's the difference. But the end of the day, Dabo dancing, Dabo raising money, that is absolutely incredible. It doesn't matter. That's the way he came across. We, it's okay to be able to laugh at yourself. And I think that's what people were doing. They were laughing at it. They were having fun with it. When you put yourself out there, that is what's going to happen. Shane did that. Shane realizes there's going to be people that are probably like, well, dude, grow up. Like That's cringeworthy. That's corny. What? Laugh at it, but it's just like the people that were like, you know, oh, this is for breast cancer. No shit. But why can't you laugh at it the same way? I'm sure that there's other people that are laughing into 
I was with a bunch of Clemson players that day raising money for another event. They watched it. They were laughing at it. I just, that was just something that drives me nuts. It's okay to laugh at your coach. It's okay to laugh at your university. It's okay to do that. It's not, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. But don't go run for the hills and be like, oh, you know, he's raising money for kids. You guys are just that. Really? That's not what it's about. You're just using that as fuel to be able to defend yourself in your coach. Just say for what it is. You don't like people making fun of Dabo. You don't like people making fun of your university. That's okay. But don't use that crutch. Please don't use that. If someone's making fun of breast cancer awareness, if they're doing anything like that, by all means, and I'm, I'm sure there were some Gamecock fans that stooped to that level, and it's disgusting. Majority of the stuff that I saw was just making fun of his dance moves or you know, the fact that, like I said, he had like a pimp-looking hat on. It's okay to laugh at that. By God. Like, are we, have we got that sensitive as a society? Probably. But yeah. my goodness, that was just my take on all that. I just had to get that off my chest. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get where you're coming from. I saw it on, on Twitter, too. But, I mean, I am a Gamecock fan. I am a Gamecock. I graduated from University of South Carolina. And, yeah, I thought it was funny. I liked – it was fun to make fun of Dabo, and you can – you know I did, and I sent it, and I saw the comparisons between the videos, and I loved it. But one of the first things that came to my mind is because I knew where he did that dance and what he was doing <laughs> – was, yeah, that's funny. Like, I can't believe he did that. That's really cringy. But like, oh, great cause. Yeah. Like, great, he's doing a great thing. Like, that. that's literally the thing that came to my mind. And that's why I didn't even put any words. That's why I didn't put any words. I'm having fun with it, you know? I'm having fun with it. If, if Shane Beamer was wearing the same outfit, I would have done the exact same thing. I can promise you that. I would have done the exact same thing. Gamecock fans get up stuff, I'll tough well you cover the game okay if you're wearing a hat like that as a seinfeld fan as someone that is a diehard seinfeld fan that's what i'm gonna post i mean like what what unless unless dabo okay what what would not make that funny in my opinion Unless Dabo or Shane Beamer was linked in with uh, prostitution and they were uh, pimps, then yeah, maybe that wouldn't be funny. But that's not the not that we know of. I mean, shoot, is Dabo linked in with that? I mean, is, is there something that people aren't telling me about? I mean, I don't know, Nick. Is that why maybe they're getting upset? We blowing his 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 cause here, Who blowing his, his spot Could up. Be. My Could God, be. everyone's getting upset about it. But I mean, overall, it was. I mean, like you said, it was good. It attracted attention to both to a good cause. Like like you said, yes, a hundred percent. There were people who probably went and donated. Yeah, there were like definitely. It was like it's publicity. It it helped raise awareness for what was happening. And yes, it happened to get linked with the fact that Dabo kind of looked like a dork. But you know, he's a little bit of a dork. And Shane Beamer did and something also. Also dorky, like yeah. literally, like Shane's video was like he was playing and making up a little thing with his kids. Like that's what it looked. It was him and the players, and it was it was. And this goes back, nice, but like you know it, that was weird too. That could have been Nick, crazy. This goes back. This this goes back. Dabo has done stuff like this for a long time. 
And I've thought this way even when I covered Clemson. It's just like sometimes it's like, all right. But, you know, we could say this about other coaches. A guy who I have a lot of respect for. Okay? A guy who I have a lot of respect for. Brian Kelly. Love of my high school. Love of my college. People have been making fun of him. Oh, well, he's not raising money for breast cancer. You're missing the point. You're missing the freaking point. This has nothing to do with that. This is not what we're talking about. You can separate the two. You can separate the two. People are not saying that what he was doing for breast cancer awareness isn't incredible. And I think that's the only thing that drove me nuts. And the real reason why I want to bring it all up is because as an outsider, one of the reasons I love this rivalry so much is because of the sports hate that exists between the two. But I'm going to be honest. In both fan bases, they have their sensitive groups. Okay? Let's be honest. Maybe one of you guys are listening. Maybe you're part of that problem. But I think back to a couple months ago, I put a tweet out covering a USC event. And the sign said, uh, it was a golf term, and the sign said, Dabo hits from the ladies' tees. You would have thought South Carolina did something to someone's mother. Holy freaking coward. Sensitive people. Oh, you know, feminine. Really? Really? Holy freaking shit. This is supposed to be one of the best sports rivalries in college football. When do these people get soft? When do this... I know, I know that the answer it's just happened to society, Nick. But I was going to say, oh it's just the world. Like, goodness. kind of how it is now. So I say all that because of this. Obviously, this is a Gamecock podcast. We're about to wrap things up, going running a little bit long. But I also know that there's some Clemson fans that listen to this, and I appreciate you guys because, again, college football is better when South Carolina and Clemson fans are going after it. I truly believe that because it brings more attention to the sport, especially when it's done the right way. Can you guys do me a favor? And it might not even necessarily be you if you're listening as a Gamecock or a Clemson fan or just a fan of college football and you're listening to this podcast. If you know someone like that, part of this rivalry, do me a favor. Go to them. Put your arm around them and tell them it's going to be okay. And to lighten the frig up, really, it's college football. Have fun. Embrace the sports hate. Embrace poking fun at the other team. Embrace giving crap to sports reporters like myself or sports casters, wherever the hell my title is these days from hopping around different jobs. It's okay. That is fun. There's a line, certainly. We're all adults here. Unless little Johnny, five-year-old, somehow stumbled across his dad's Apple iPhone and he's heard some words today that he's going to go tell his class later. But you guys all understand where that line is. We all understand where the line is. If you don't know where the line is, then don't say anything. But if you're going to be that sensitive, my God. <laughs> go do finger painting instead. Because college football isn't for you. I'm sorry. This rivalry is about sports. And, you know, a big reason I went to South Carolina is because of this rivalry. I was so excited. I mean, you grow up watching Michigan-Ohio State play and 
all these big rivalries. My dad went to Purdue, so he hated IU. Um, and I was like, I'm going to have a team to hate. Yes, I hate Clemson. I will root against Clemson in everything. Alyssa Lang wore orange to SEC Media Day, which she got a ton of crap for. <laughs> oh, she got crap on <laughs> bad. It was bad. Um, poor, poor Alyssa. You know, that's just how it is. But would I ever wish anything bad upon a Clemson no. graduate or a Clemson player? Never. Never. You know, in that case, you know, we're both South, we're both went to college at South Carolina in the state of South Carolina. And, you know, I have a ton of respect for their program, the people there, you know, it's not personal. That's where you got to go. It's just not personal, you know, but do I hate Clemson? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I graduated from South Carolina. I legally have to say that, but you know, it's just not personal. So, you, you know, just have tough skin, let it roll off you. It's all good. We're all Nick, good. We're all friends here. We all love football. Nick Higgs, Clemson. I, you know, to take a, a line from Jackie Moon, ELE, everyone love everyone. I got no, I got exactly. no. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, before we wrap things up here, just a reminder, we announced it today on Gamecock Central, the second Gamecock Central kickoff party at Steel Hands Brewing. It was a lot of fun last year, or at least I was told because I was still working at Watch Fox, so I wasn't there, but I saw plenty of videos. I saw plenty of pictures. Shane Beamer came out last year. Ryan Brewer came out. South Carolina's own Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir. They will be back. He'll sing his signature song, Big Old Cock, as well as many, many other songs that people enjoy singing along to. And the beauty about this year is a portion of the proceeds – will be donated to the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation. So just a reminder about this event, it is free. You don't have to pay anything to go, but if you want to get a VIP band and get into the VIP tent, which will allow you to have access to some of the coaches who will come at this time, we're not going to let you know exactly who's coming. It's part of the secret. Uh, but, you know, Shelly Smith came out last year, different coaches from different programs. You know, Frank Martin, of course, when he was the head coach, he came out last season. It was a great time. This year, we're, we're, we're hoping and, and being able to uh, solidify having some current players on all sports, not just football, come out for this event. So an awesome event. So much fun last year. If you if you went, I mean, I've been hearing so many stories dating back to as soon as I signed up for Gamecock Central saying, Mike, you know, they have a party next year for this. You got to come out to it. Uh, definitely a great way. This is going to be on Saturday. Actually, it was on Friday. Saturday, August 20th. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a fun, fun time. And again, portions of those proceeds will be going back to support a former Gamecocks charity, which is the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation. Isn't that close? I'm Mike Yuva. Appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. And also be sure to not leave us a nice little review as well. Just put a couple words and be like, hey like you guys marcus ladderboard will be back next week as we get you guys geared up for practice number one for south carolina gamecock set to take to the practice field on august 5th appreciate you guys listening have a great weekend and we'll see you guys next week thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.